Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 32 of the We Are Speaking Podcast. During each weekly 30-minute episode, we address some of our favorite topics, including American history and culture, government, education, and politics from a black perspective. We are very glad you are joining us today. The podcast is brought to you by our company, the Team Owens 313 Global Creative Community. We offer branding and marketing services, including online training and small group coaching and one-on-one coaching to independent writers and creative and solo professionals. You can find out more at our website, teamowens313gcc.com. As a free or paid subscriber to the We Are Speaking publication, you can access the podcast episodes through the website or on your favorite podcast player. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. My name is Pamela Hilliard-Owens, and I am one of the co-hosts of We Are Speaking in partnership with my husband and business partner, Keith Owens, who also wrote and performed the intro and outro music for the podcast. And speaking of Keith, here he is. Hi, Keith. Good to be here again. Okay, today we're going to have two separate topics that we're going to touch on. The first topic is what is in the news all this week about the documents that they found, the, cl- the, the documents that are classified that they found at in different offices that Biden was in, in between being vice president and, and, and president mm-hmm. and at his home, locked in his garage along with his classic Corvette. And they, there are many people who are trying to do some kind of false equivalency between those docu- the finding of those documents and what happened with the classified documents that Trump stole from, from the government. So we're going to talk about that first. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about the continuing extermination of black men by police departments, specifically today about uh, the Los Angeles Police Department, which was a new mayor, Karen Bass. And uh, it's, it's only the middle of January, and already there have been three black men killed in Los Angeles. So we'll talk about that, too. But first, he's going to talk a little bit about the, the classified documents. Yeah, what by now, I'm sure most of you who are listening to this have been following the story about President Biden and the uh, classified documents that have been found at, as Pam mentioned, some, some at his residence in the garage and in other locations. And it's hard to miss that story because it's been topping, it's been the top due story for several days running now. And what is so frustrating about this, and admittedly, yes, we were Biden supporters and yes, we're liberals, etc. But the, it's, it's the, as Pam mentioned, it's the false equivalency that's being drawn and also the excessive attention. And as Pam and I talked about this yesterday, number one, this would never have even been a story if Trump had not stolen the documents. That's number one. The, because when they felt, because it was Biden's own people who drew attention to the fact that these documents were found. It was not, Trump did not do this. Biden's people drew attention to that, said these documents are here. And at that, after that point, they have been doing everything required by the Justice Department to get those documents back and to follow the investigation wherever it needs to be. There's been no blockage thrown up. The only blockage, you can't even really term it a blockage, and when certain journalists have been asking a lot more questions, and because they haven't answered, every, the, the White House has not answered every question that they wanted answered, then stories are appearing. I just saw one literally just a few minutes ago where NBC is claiming some Democrats are becoming frustrated because of the, how the White House is handling this. 
what needs to be kept in mind once again is when is it's being made to be more complicated than it is. And it's not complicated. The differences are numerous, but the bottom difference is when asked to cooperate with the Justice Department, the Biden's White House has cooperated every step of the way, and they are the ones that pointed out that these documents were where they did not need to be. And, and after that, the investigation is moving forward and the documents being returned. Trump, those documents were, were located. When they were asked to be returned, he did not return those documents for a year. After, when they finally agreed to turn over some of the documents, then, they, as I meant, he just turned over some. Then it was discovered, until, basically through intelligence, because it wasn't the Trump people that told him. They, the, the FBI was able to get enough information to determine that there were still documents there, because they could not raid the house until they had enough evidence to give them cause to raid Mar-a-Lago. And so then that's when they had the, the big story where the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago to get the documents that Trump did not turn over when he said it's in, everything was turned over. Then, part number three, after those documents were, tur- were, were not turned over, were were grabbed because Trump didn't want found and they were lying. Well, everywhere. they weren't exactly grabbed. And this is one of the, we have to be, yeah. be very careful to clarify this. After the, after he ignored the subpoenas, after mm-hmm. they found out that what he said was all of the documents turned out not to be, mm-hmm. that's when the FBI went to the court and got a court ordered, um, well, right, right, yeah. that's right, right, exactly. So I mean, they weren't grabbed. We have well, to be really well, careful. I understand with, that. I mean, you with come the up, terminology. Yeah, terminology, but. But I'm saying that's why they have, they had to have evidence. But that's what I meant when I said they had to have enough evidence to get that legal permission to raid. Mm-hmm. They, they couldn't just say, somebody couldn't say, you know, I think Trump has up some more documents there. And the FBI says, oh, really? Then they go raid the house. Mm-hmm. They had to get legal cause. Then, like you said, then after that, then they, once they were given legal permission, then they went to get the documents. Following that, they, they're still, although then, no, then their lawyers, none of their lawyers still will certify, will say, Right. Right. That all the documents. Not anymore. Not, not, not right. I remember true because at first, at first they said yes, and that and that and, lawyer got and, in a lot that of trouble. Got a lot of trouble for saying yes. Everything has been gone. Turned out wasn't true. Now none of their lawyers will say that anymore. Mm-hmm. So now there's there's strong suspicion that there's still documents that Trump has. Biden White House, as I'm saying, almost for the third time, they're the ones that drew attention to the fact mm-hmm. the the Justice Department became involved. And now they are doing everything they need to do. That's the end. To imply in any way that there's some kind of equivalency between this. And then when the special, well, unless you want to talk about that later, the special process. No, you can go, you can talk about that later. Yeah. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. So that, that's, that's basically it. Well, the, the false equivalency comes in several ways. First of all, uh, Trump knew that the, that he was taking these documents from the White House once uh, that he was not able, not supposed to take after his presidency ended. Trump wanted to keep the the documents because they thought they he thought they were his. Anything that he wants, he thinks is his. So the illegality well, make them his really. Just, well, well, well right. he thinks that they're his. He, right. he tries to make them his. Right, right. And and which is his whole thing. Well, they're mine anyway. Right. So, and then, and knowing that that's not true. And then, and because it's the legality of it, because after he took them, no, first of all, to even take the documents in the first place, classified or not, to even take the document is illegal. You are not supposed to take anything from the White House, including a cocktail napkin, without permission. That's why when guests to the White House or dignitaries or whatever try to give the president or his staff a gift, that has to go through all kinds of channels just because you're not supposed to accept gifts. So him taking them out of the White House in boxes 
and taking them to Mar-a-Lago, that alone was illegal. Those, those, um, and obviously intentional and intentional. That's where the difference is going to lie with the special counsels, which we're going to talk about in a second. But so you aren't supposed to take them at all. And you are supposed to definitely not intentional. He knew they were in Mar-a-Lago. He knew that because some of them were in his desk and he knew some of them were classified. And, and not only that, Mar-a-Lago is not secure. Okay. So people come in and out of there all the time, including people from foreign countries. And where they were was not secure. It was only after the National Archives started asking for them back that they started moving them to another place in the basement. Mm. But even that's not secure. Okay, so that that was a problem. So the problem was that it's called NARA, the National Archives and Records mm-hmm. Association or or agency mm-hmm. agency, asked for them back because they belong to the government. When you leave the White House, you're supposed to turn over everything, and it's called NARA to NARA. And then NARA goes through it, documents it and everything, and then stores it. Now, that's what Obama did, because Trump is trying to say, well, Obama did the same. No, Obama did not do the same thing. After after he gave everything to NARA, and NARA, and this was, remember, this was back in 2017, and then NARA went through all of them, and then Obama requested certain items so that he could include that in his memoirs. NARA is storing the the articles that Obama wants to access in a locked area that belongs to NARA in Chicago. So it's not at Obama's house or even at his foundation. They are in mind. And he still has to go to the NARA offices to access the things that he wants to use in his memoir. That's the difference. The other, and so with Biden, just the opposite. He didn't even know they were there. This was, this was, most of them were in an office that he used in between being vice president and president. He hadn't been there in years, and well, several years anyway, and it was his staff that found the documents, not him, and his staff immediately contacted NARA and gave them back. That's a big difference. Trump does not want to give them back. He thinks that he, he considers that they're his. He thinks that he declassified them just by thinking about it, which of course is not true or not possible. And he tried to make a deal. Well, if I give you these back, what will you give to me? Like they're his to bargain with. So that's the big difference. So go ahead and talk about the special counsel, the difference of two special. Oh, talk about why the special counsel for Trump wasn't, wasn't assigned until several weeks after after the incident at Mar-a-Lago. Oh, I'm, I've got to remember that now. Merrick Garland did not assign a, a special counsel until after Trump declared he was going into oh, the 22. He was, he was going for president again right. because he thinks he thinks that that is going to being just a candidate will shield him from any any wrongdoing or any indictment. It does not. Right. And there was and that's that's been spoken a lot about, right? Because that's when he assigned a special counsel. And there are critics of Merrick Garland about that, saying that wasn't necessary at that time. And the criticism is because those who support Merrick Garland, that and there are a number who do, are saying that he's wants to show that everything is above board mm-hmm. and that nobody can criticize because he's making this. And so there's that you have the special prosecutor. Mm-hmm. The critics are saying, and I think there's validity to both sides, but I understand what the critics are saying more with the second prosecutor than the first. But is who who is he trying to prove this to? Right. Because right. the the people who are following the facts is like Ari always like to say. Already understand, mm-hmm. and 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 the Trump people. There's nothing you can say, right? And I think when you get with the session, uh, second special prosecutor, who is a, a Trump appointed, but as everyone said, he has you know solid legal credentials, it's etc. Et but the only credential he seems to have for being appointed is that he once worked for Trump, mm-hmm. and also and that he's a Republican, and that he's a Republican, and the fact that that he's being, again, when you're getting a special prosecutor, and as you're pulling when you're pulling somebody. 
from this side of the lane. Mm-hmm. The question is, why? We also have to go back to the when the search warrant was served at Mar-a-Lago. When the Justice Department and the FBI do these kinds of things, they don't tell people. It was Trump that told everybody. Otherwise, we would not have even known it happened. And then and then because of all of the blow up and then he asked for a special master and all this kind of stuff, that just slowed things down on on purpose. Trump wanted to slow things down on purpose, but we would not have even known about it because they wouldn't have broadcast. Well, I know, they wouldn't have. But this, this is what this is why it's important is because then so the special master went through all that and then the special counsel was not uh, they say, "Well, why did you take so long with Trump?" The special counsel was not appointed until Trump declared for president. And that's why Merrick Garland said, this is a, an, ex, a, an exceptional case. I'm, I think those were his right, words, exceptional right. case. And then, because, n- not that he is shielded by doing that, but that just adds a next layer right. on it. And then, and that's why he did it with Biden so fast, because Biden is president now, which gives it exceptional, right. exceptional but those, circumstances. But that's not the question so much I was raising in terms of why he did it. Now the question was in terms of the person that he chose. Oh, well, you know, that's a separate question. I think at this point, once the once the special counsel was chosen for Trump, yes, it had to be done for mm-hmm. the president as well. Mm-hmm. But the question is, number one, why why they have to be done? And I think it can go both ways in terms of whether or not they had to raise a special because the the question is also raised with Trump, when when a special prosecutor was raised for Trump in the sense that Merrick Garland's office is qualified to do that. Right, right. You know, right. you don't need to bring on somebody additional to do mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think there's validity to that. But I think, and with, with this person, but once again, the, the point being raised at this point, it, it moves forward. But the most important thing we need to look at, you know, is, is again, getting back to the beginning in terms of the, uh, the false equivalency. Because, right. because this is, this does not need to be blown up as something like, wait a minute, now we have something on Biden. Right. And the, and I think the media is, media is allowing that to happen. Now, I think, knowing how the media works, mm-hmm. eventually, this is, and I believe this is what the Biden administration is doing, because there's a short attention span. Right. And because they know there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. There's only so there's only so long this story. It's like a fire; it has to have air. I right. Mean, there's only so long this story can burn mm-hmm. before it's going to be gone. Right. But I will say this also because of how that works and news cycles, and also because of how everything gets blown up, particularly with social media and things bigger or smaller. Than mm. They're glad that this happened post election. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's another question. Right. <clears throat> Same thing like with, with with Hillary with that last minute. Right. That was yeah, James Comer. James Comer. Because this would have been something. That could just maybe gone on forever for all well, the that's, wrong Well, that's a question the right, the right, white, right wing is asking. If Biden's aides knew about this November 2nd, why is it just not coming out after the election? But on the other hand, they didn't have to tell us, they didn't have to tell them at all. Number one. Number two. And this is so important to remember is that, is, is that there's such a big difference between how, how this is handled for Trump and how this is handled for Biden and what is so funny is that while the while the Republicans are saying, see Biden did it, Biden did it, and it's illegal, then they are saying what Trump did was illegal. They can't say what Biden did was illegal without realizing what, what Trump did is illegal. Number one, and then number two, with the with Jack Smith, the first special counsel, he is notoriously nonpartisan. No one knows what his political leanings are. So, because I read somewhere in an article, he guards that with his life. He, they don't know whether he's Democrat, Republican, or Independent. And before, when um, Garland chose him, he was working at The Hague on war criminals there. 
And he's actually stayed in Europe for a while because he had just fallen off his bike or some had a bike accident and his leg had to be healed. And now he's back in the States. And they said the fact that he's come back to the States blows it up even more because with all the stuff about being on Zoom and all that, it's nothing like being with your team face to face. So that's important. And, and, but then the second special counsel is an out and out Trumpy Republican, but otherwise very well qualified. So we'll see how that goes. But the part about the media blowing this all out of proportion, they found some, some documents here and they found some documents there. And Heather Cox Richardson, the a renowned historian, Professor Heather Cox Richardson said that, and this is a nuance that MAGA people, of course, won't get, said something that there's a difference between classified documents and documents that are classified. <laughs> And it's really, there really is a difference. And so Trump had classified documents. Biden had documents that are classified. And there's a big difference because, because, because the classified documents with the red stripe, those are only supposed to be looked at in what's called a skiff, a secure area, which is why Obama has to go to the NARA, the NARA offices in Chicago. He can't just say, okay, NARA's documented so I can take them home. He can't do that. They have to be looked at in a secure area. And so that's the difference. Actually, they should have never, ever been removed. For any reason. But no, the ones that Trump had. Right, exactly, right, exactly, right. exactly. The ones exactly. that Trump had never should have been removed. And I think it also... Classified documents are a higher level yeah, right. than documents exactly. that are classified. Exactly. And those and the ones that Trump had, those are the ones that were found strewn all over inside drawers, on the floor, mm-hmm, etc. Mm-hmm. Well, I think also in terms of the, the narrative, I think that... And we shouldn't say with just everything with a broad brush, the media, there's certain media, not the whole media. But what I find interesting and somewhat disturbing is that when this, not too long after the story broke, the narrative was much more about that there wasn't much of a, mm-hmm. there was a false mm-hmm. concept, that mm-hmm. this basically happened, this, there wasn't much to right, it. Right. Story. But then, somewhere along the line, somebody's feeding this thing mm-hmm. air. Right, exactly. And because it, it was obvious. The more stories you see now, now there's stories about, you know, top Democrats are frustrated. Mm-hmm. This have, you know, why is the, you know, Biden, there's still more questions, more questions haven't been answered. And it's like, when did this happen? Right. When did, because at first everybody seemed to understand. And the difference is, and the, what, part of the reason why it's so frustrating is because the, the basic facts of the story mm-hmm. have not changed. Right. Those same questions you had at the beginning. I mean, about where we want to know where they were. You know where they were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he didn't know he had them. The right. staff found them. Everything that we recounted here during this uh, podcast, mm-hmm. that information, it'd be different if there was a, some bombshell revelation. Right. Somebody had a tape where Biden said, hey, let's take these down to my house. Right. But I mean, but there's no change in the basic facts. So why is the story suddenly getting more and more traction? Because somebody is pushing Mm -hmm. this thing. We need to keep keep this thing on the front burner. And that's what bothers me. And and that, to me, and I'll leave this alone, because there's this is strictly something I wonder, and and it's not like I have any way of knowing this at all, Mm -hmm. but I do want... I always get frustrated now because so much of the media now is owned by just a few entities. Right. Right, and and there used to be newspapers were all were, were family owned or individual organization owned, mm-hmm. small. Now they're owned by a handful. Right, uh, and that has changed the news. Right, <laughs> I was in the news at the time when when I was at the at the Free Press when Neil Shine came up from the beginning mm-hmm. from the from the from the bottom was the publisher. Right, Neil Starter came all the way through. When I was when I was in Fort Lauderdale, the publisher was a businessman, never spent a, be, a day in the right. in, in his life. 
and it showed. It was <laughs> exactly because exactly. of because of stories. All of a sudden, big you know, and other papers. I don't need to run off the line, but other papers I've worked on, been involved in. I've seen where publishers are higher ups mm-hmm. step in, right? Because of, because some business, something they didn't like, somebody they they were close to organization thought shouldn't be touched. They become very upset, mm-hmm. and 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 I can't help but wonder. Is, is something like that going on the bed? Because the, right. cha- the shift in focus is noticeable. So that that's that's our our initial take on that. And our point is is that number one, the two cases are completely different, and especially it hinges on intent. And this is where it's going. The difference is going to come out no matter how much the Republicans try to make it a, a thing, no matter how much the media misreports it. There, there, the, the, it hangs on intent. Trump intended to take those documents. He's considered them to belong to him, although they belong to the government. He tried to just send some of them back and keep the rest. No one knows why. Some of them are still missing and we don't know where they are. And then when he said, when he and his lawyer said under oath by signing a, a paper that all of them were returned, Nara knew that all of them hadn't been returned. That's when they went to the FBI the FBI went to a judge, got a signed search warrant, and that's when they went to Mar-a-Lago. And in Biden's case, NAR didn't even know they weren't there. That's how relatively unimportant they were. Number one, because and when he was vice president, it's not like the president turning over. So when they left, it was the president's responsibility and the staff to turn over and for NAR to know what was there. If those documents are so relatively unimportant that Nara didn't even know they were missing, that that's a that's a big difference. So that that's our point, and we're and our point is that they're making a bigger deal out of this unnecessary, trying to have some kind of scandal on Biden, and and it's it's apples and oranges; they just are not the same. Okay. <clears throat> so our second topic that we're going to touch on is that in the first couple few days of January in Los Angeles, the LAPD killed three black men, none of whom are armed. And they, and they, they really aren't, the LAPD really isn't owning up to it. They said they put out one video, edited video, I should say, from the body cam. But the reason why this caught my attention is because the last person who was, who was killed was a teacher. And matter of fact, a high school teacher, which I used to be. That's why it really caught my eye. And his name was, his name was Keenan Keenan Anderson, and he was a 31-year-old teacher, a, a husband, and a father. He was in a traffic accident, okay, and and he's the cousin of a prominent Black Lives Matter founder. But that 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 was after the fact. Uh, just like the right wing, whenever a black person is is killed by the police, they try to make the black person the bad guy, okay? Oh well, yeah. T- five years ago, he was caught with some marijuana. That has nothing to do with it. With Trayvon Martin, they tried that. They said that he was suspended from school for a couple of days because he found a joint in his locker. The guy who killed him didn't know that. Right. When the police shoot these people or right. pseudo police, like what's his name, whose name I can't remember. I don't want to say it anyway. They don't know that when they shoot the person. They're only trying to CYA after the fact. And the fact that Trayvon Martin I had a joint in his locker a year before, not only does it, is that it doesn't matter and there's no reason to kill somebody. The, the killer didn't know that. They didn't know him from Adam. They just saw a black boy walking down the street. As far as Keenan Anderson is concerned, the three people who were killed, Takar Smith was age 45, Oscar Leon Sanchez was 35, and Keenan Anderson was 31. All, none of the three of them resisted. None of the three of them were armed. The police were not in any danger. Leon, uh, Keenan Anderson was tased to death. And he, he was involved in a traffic accident on January 3rd. 
And Anderson went to the police motorcycle. He was trying to flag them down. He, that's what I'm saying. And motioned to him, to the motorcycle cop, that he, he went to the cops. Cops didn't come to him. He went to the cops to tell, tell him where the accident went, uh, uh, took place. The cops followed him to the scene of the accident and that Anderson was one of the, and, and the other people said Anderson was one of the uh, drivers involved in the accident. Well, whenever there's a car accident, there's more, there's usually two cars, there's more than one person. So what the police do is turn around and get on Anderson, telling him to sit down, telling him to lie down, tell him to put his hands up. He had his hands up. He had his hands behind his head. But he was visibly upset. Number one, he's in a, a car accident. And then all of a sudden, now the police are coming after him. And all he can see is a black man, a police coming after me. And so he's visibly upset. Then, so they tell him to get up and walk somewhere else. He did that with his hands in the air or behind his head. And they tased him anyway. And it says on the video, because he is quote-unquote, resisting. He wasn't resisting. He was doing what you told him to do. And they tased him to death. And this was the third person in the first three days of January that the police killed him. I think about Anderson also. Pam said it came came out later that he was just seems kind of uh, almost eerie that he was a cousin of a Black Lives Matter founder. Mm -hmm. But what's also, in fact, is that when they tased to death, as the most important thing there to me, Mm -hmm. one of the most important things is that he was no threat. He was not armed. There were like, what, 12 police officers? Three. Three. There were three. Mm. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. They're, 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 he was tased 12 times. And if, how could, they, what justification? It doesn't matter if he was talking about their mother. That, that's what handcuffs are for. Right. Okay, if you have three police officers, one man. Right. And, and you can't restrain him without tasing him to death. Mm-hmm. There's no explanation they can give. They said he was acting erratically, uh, walking down the middle of just a street. Well, he flagged you down. Right, that right. Way. The point is, you talk. If we different, if, bottom line is he came to get you mm-hmm. for help. He, I mean, unlike a lot of black people, right. he 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 felt the police would help him. <laughs> a lot of black folks don't feel that way. He he tried to flag police officers and say, "Hey, there's an accident. I was in an accident. Need help." They tased him to death. Whatever he did, if he if he was armed, the man wasn't armed. Even their reports, as mm-hmm, well, right. none of it, they they didn't say. Because oftentimes they like to say he appeared to be armed. They can say that they could not say that. So if he's not doesn't even appear to be armed, he's one man. And they got like that, mm-hmm. and he's t- they, you have nothing to say. And and this is the point because, like he was saying about trying to uh, put things on the victim after the fact, the. the one cop claims that a toxicology test run by the LAPD's Forensic Science Division on blood samples tested positive for cocaine and cannabinoids. Number one, how do we know that? But number two, that has nothing to do with nothing. it. You didn't know that. Even if he was high, I, we don't know that he was, just putting handcuffs on him would have been enough. Say, you, you, there's not, like I said, you know, I repeat, there's no defense they can raise. Right, right. That justifies that for using the taser mm-hmm. at all. Exactly, exactly. There, there's no justification. To, mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I mean, because there, if he, if you don't kill somebody because they're high. That's right. That's right. <laughs> There's, there's, there's nothing you can say, and the fact that they won't own up to that, understand that you made a horrific, your guys right. made a horrific mistake. It's all because the history of the LAPD, like the New Orleans PD, right. I don't mind calling them out at this right. point because it's, it's not 
a secret. Right, right. You know, the history of the New Orleans PD, the history of LAPD is horrific. Right, When it right. comes to non-white communities. Right. And it goes way back, long time. It, it you know, goes so, back forever. Forever. And so, and so this, you would think you would be trying to do something. Right, exactly. To repair exactly, that. Exactly. But that's why I, I don't agree with necessarily, like they say, dismantle the police. Mm-hmm. But that's where that comes from. Right. People right. want to start poo-pooing that. The reason is, if the police are only there to beat you up and kill you, right. why would you want to keep right. them there? Right, right, <laughs> That's why... And, they- and if and if he was high, if, if Mr. Anderson was high, or drunk, driving under the influence, why would you go get the police? Right. You try to get he away from the police. police. Right. He went to get, get the, police. the police. That's number one. So that means that he knew he was innocent. He knew that there was a car accident, and when you are involved in a car accident, you're supposed to contact the police. That's what he yeah, did. That's what he did. That's what they he didn't did. come to him. Right. They, he wasn't lying half stoned at the at the mm-hmm. scene of the accident, and they came to him. Right. He came to them, yeah. and so we're gonna we're gonna. This is only the middle of January, so unfortunately, this will not be the last time this happens. But we wanted to talk on these two issues that are in the news and, and going on right now. But we want to remind you, and thank you for for uh, tuning in, and remind you that. The, Our global creative community, Branding and Marketing Academy, offers online training, group coaching, and one-on-one coaching to independent authors and creative professionals. And you can find out more at our website, teamowens313gcc.com. Talk to you next time. See you next week.